Hi, this is Dr. John Day from the Get Your Life Back in Rhythm uh, podcast, where it's my goal to help you optimize for normal sinus rhythm and longevity. So our topic today is the seven most important AFib triggers to avoid. A new study was just published identifying the most important atrial fibrillation triggers to avoid. Avoiding AFib triggers is incredibly important for atrial fibrillation patients and something we covered in our best-selling book, The AFib Cure. In this podcast, I'm gonna discuss the seven most important AFib triggers to avoid based on published medical studies, as well as my 30 years of experience caring for AFib patients. So what are your atrial fibrillation triggers? While most of my patients can identify at least one specific AFib trigger, Many cannot. For some of my patients, atrial fibrillation attacks are 100% random events, so they don't have any clear identified triggers. If you can identify one or more AFib triggers, then avoiding these triggers can be very effective in putting your atrial fibrillation into remission naturally. So here they are. Number one, alcohol. And at the top of every published study of AFib triggers, is alcohol. Sadly, there is no safe dose of alcohol for atrial fibrillation patients. And that shouldn't come as a big surprise, particularly when it comes to that, the first trigger that many young people may experience for atrial fibrillation is showing up in the emergency room uh, with atrial fibrillation after binge drinking. It's a common trigger. There's no safe dose. If you want to minimize your risk, you got to stay away from alcohol. Number two, exercise. Exercise is the most natural way in the world to shift our hearts into a higher gear. So it's no shock that if your heart is already prone to beating erratically, a quick burst of exercise could push it over the edge. But avoiding exercise is simply not an option as not exercising at all increases your risk of atrial fibrillation and an early death. So for those suffering from exercise-induced AFib, many of my patients have found that simply decreasing the intensity or duration of their exercise can help tremendously. For others, they can exercise without AFib, provided they've slept well, are well hydrated, and have their electrolytes in check. When nothing prevents exercise-induced AFib, it is time to consider an ablation. Indeed, I have countless patients, including world-class athletes who have all successfully returned to high levels of competition and high levels of exercise free of atrial fibrillation with an ablation procedure. And to tell you the truth, most of my athletes end up with an ablation because cutting back on their exercise is not something they're willing to do. And I get it. For me, exercise is my antidepressant. It's what gives me the strength, the focus, the determination to do everything in my life that I enjoy doing. And if I had to dial back my exercise, I I couldn't do it. So I understand that. Number three, dehydration slash electrolyte depletion. It always amazes me how so many of my patients' atrial fibrillation attacks come from when they aren't drinking enough water. Indeed, many of my patients fail to realize that their fatigue, dry skin, headaches, muscle cramps, 
urinary tract infections, constipation, dizziness, brain fog, or their atrial fibrillation all happen because they aren't drinking enough water. And proper hydration is especially important for AFib patients before exercising. In addition to adequate hydration, optimization of electrolytes is also necessary to keep the heart beating right in sinus rhythm. For example, potassium and magnesium depletion are well-documented AFib triggers in the medical literature. Fortunately, both can easily be replenished with a diet high in vegetables, fruits, nuts, seeds, legumes, etc. Indeed, many of my patients report that magnesium supplementation has been essential to keeping their AFib in remission. And when I talk about electrolytes, please, please, please do not fall for the trap that you need to drink some sort of a sports drink to keep your electrolytes in check. That's simply not true. These entered these, not energy drinks, these sports drinks, if you, you don't need all the sugar. You don't need the artificial sweeteners. And if you look on the label, you're getting next to zero electrolytes anyway. To get your electrolytes, the first goal is to, be, is to get them from foods. So focus on the foods, high end. Basically focus on your vegetables, fruit, nuts, seeds, legumes, and you'll get all the magnesium and potassium your body needs. Number four, poor sleep. A bad night of sleep is another big atrial fibrillation trigger. Bad sleep could be from sleep deprivation or sleep apnea. Indeed, studies show that a bad night of sleep increases your AFib risk the next day of 3x, and sleep apnea quadruples your risk of atrial fibrillation. So make restorative sleep a top priority if you want to keep your AFib in remission. Now, while sleeping on your left side is often uncomfortable for AFib patients, and that's because when you sleep on your left side, it pulls your heart, gravity pulls your heart towards your chest wall, so you're more likely to feel any skips, bumps, jumps in your rhythm. But this most recent study did not show an increased risk for AFib patients of sleeping on your left side. So while you may feel more palpitations when sleeping on the left side, it probably isn't going to increase your risk of an AFib attack. Number five, stress and anxiety. When you're stressed, your blood pressure is up and your adrenaline is pounding through your veins. So it should come as no surprise that on days when you wake up stressed or anxious, studies show that your risk of AFib is five times higher on these days. If you suffer from AFib, you've got to find ways to manage your stress. Good sleep, sunlight, and a great workout in the mountains always cures me of any stress I may be feeling. For others, it may be prayer, meditation, yoga, or spending time with a friend that can also be incredibly helpful. Whatever it takes, keep your stress levels down. Number six, unhealthy foods, overeating, and cold foods, cold drinks. Stuffing your belly uh, full of eating junk or just overeating may trigger an AFib attack. So why would food be a trigger? Perhaps the high salt and sugar load of processed or fast foods triggers the attack from a blood pressure spike or fluid retention. Or perhaps it is because specific foods may irritate gastrointestinal problems. And GI problems are known to stimulate the vagus nerve, which connects your gut, brain, and heart. We don't fully understand this vagus nerve connection in depth, but our research has shown that gastrointestinal diseases are associated with atrial fibrillation. And these are, we did several studies on this when I used to be at Intermountain Medical Center. Also, when those gastrointestinal issues have been resolved, in my experience, 
patient's atrial fibrillation usually settles down as well. So treat the gut and you're treating your heart. And cold foods and cold drinks are also well known to stimulate the vagus nerves in ways that may put you at risk for an AFib attack. As I often tell my patients, in my 30 years of caring for AFib patients, I've yet to meet a patient who reported that broccoli triggered an AFib attack. So eat more broccoli. Uh, at least, sorry about that. Anyway, broccoli is my favorite food, so I had to throw that one in. Number seven, energy drinks. While most of my patients are convinced that caffeine is an AFib trigger, the studies simply don't support this. While some of my patients are truly caffeine sensitive, most are not. If you are caffeine sensitive, then it's best to avoid it. However, there is one form of caffeine that is particularly problematic for my patients, and that is the energy drinks. There's something bad about combining a bunch of chemicals with sugar or artificial sweeteners and massive doses of caffeine and all that other crap they put into these energy drinks that sends hearts into AFib. So don't drink energy drinks if, you, if your goal is to optimize for sinus rhythm. So in conclusion, if your goal is to beat atrial fibrillation, you'll need to avoid your AFib triggers if you have any. Once again, some don't. And don't go crazy looking for triggers if triggers don't exist. Even if you have had a successful ablation and you are so-called in remission or cured from your AFib from that ablation, you should still avoid triggers. Why is that? Well, for example, alcohol can cause a perfectly normal teenager's heart to go into atrial fibrillation. So why should it be any different in your 50-year-old heart or 60-year-old heart after you've had an ablation? If you want to learn more about stopping atrial fibrillation, be sure to check out our best-selling book, The AFib Cure. We're still in the top 10 in the cardiovascular space on Amazon. Um, it's a great book. We have great reviews. If you haven't read it yet, now's the time. Also, if you want to see one of the EPs in our practice for help with your AFib, please call my team at 801-266-3418. And unfortunately, we're not able to do telemedicine visits outside of the state of Utah due to uh, government regulations since the COVID crisis has passed, or at least that's what they sometimes think. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a coworker, and be sure to subscribe to my uh, monthly newsletter. And until next time, keep living better.